Welcome to Real Faith, the podcast where we explore the intersection between culture, faith and youth work. I'm Stephen and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll look at a different film or series and discuss it in depth, exploring the themes within it and how we can use it with the young people we work with. We'll cover everything from action to horror, comic book movies to comedies. Welcome to another episode of the Real Faith Podcast and today's episode is going to be a little bit different as it's just me on my own. I've struggled to find somebody who could come on and talk about Stranger Things and rather than wait to find somebody or for someone to reply I I, I thought it was best to get on and, and, and put one out there as it's been out for a, a few weeks now and it would quickly become old news. So I thought it was important as part one is out at the moment. Part two is coming in July, so hopefully I can maybe get someone on to talk specifically around those episodes. But for the minute, I thought it was important to cover part one of season four, which came out earlier. So that's what I'm going to do. I'll I'll give a little bit of the plot and a few of my thoughts and comments around it and ways that I feel that you can engage young people in it. So as I said, this is the fourth season of Stranger Things. It's a series on Netflix created by the Duffer Brothers and it's heavily inspired by Stephen King. It's about this group of of teenagers fighting these monsters but also scientists and, and Russians. And it has been a huge hit, a phenomenal hit, that season four, each episode, is is costing roughly $30 million to make. When the first season was released, it was, again, a a, a massive deal. And it was responsible, really, for a lot of the the teen-focused sci-fi horror films that we've seen in the last four or five years. I don't think the new version of It... So It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2 that was released a few years ago. I don't think either of them would have came out had it not been for Stranger Things. It had a very Stranger Things vibe to it and even featured uh, one of the cast. Ghostbusters Afterlife as well is very teen focused and has a Stranger Things feel to it. It has a very nostalgia feel to it as well and I don't think that would exist. Also there was a, a a trilogy of films uh, the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix as well, which was was very much in that vibe of Stranger Things as well. And so there's been a number of films and TV shows that have come off the back of it. It's it's clearly very inspired by Stephen King. As I said, if you know anything of the work of Stephen King, whether it be his novels or the adaptations of his novels and into films and TV shows, they are very teen focused. And it's about teens fighting off evil in a variety of of different disguises. It's set in the 80s and and so has a huge nostalgia factor, which I think is one of those reasons it became such a big hit for for people of of my age who who grew up in in the 80s and who are children in the 80s. 
it, there's definitely a big nostalgia part uh, to that, but also just because of, of the, the teen cast and the look of it, it obviously brought in younger people as well. And if you're on TikTok at all, if you know what TikTok is, this current season is all over TikTok, especially uh, some of the music and, and specifically uh, Kate Bush and, and, and one of her songs um, plays a pivotal role in, in part one of season four, that, that, the song Running Up That Hill. And, and, and so all over TikTok that, that song has been used and it's even come back into the charts as well. But anyway, enough. That's a, a bit of a preamble on, on what Stranger Things is. Let me go specifically into the plot of part one. It is a, a meandering plot. There are, there are lots of, of bits to it. it. It goes all over the place. And so I'll do my best to cover some of the main things in it. But in part one, there are seven episodes that are all between an, an hour to an hour and a half long. So it's, it's pretty much like seven feature films. So I'm not going to get into specifics on plot on, on, on some areas, but I'll do my best to, to cover a rough plot of part one. So, as I said, it follows a group of teenagers in the small town of Hawkins as they battle Russians, scientists and monsters from what's known as the Upside Down world. It's a, another reality hidden behind ours. The, the, the key character across all of the seasons is a, a girl called Eleven, who shortens her name to Elle, who has been experimented on as a child by scientists and who now has superpowers, which again is, is a key aspect of, of Stephen King's work, children and young people developing superpowers. So specifically then season four takes place nine months after the end of season three, Joyce and her two sons, Will and Jonathan, and Eleven, have moved to, to California. They're no longer living in the town of Hawkins because of what has happened there. They feel it's best to, to, to make a new start somewhere else. Eleven no longer has any of her abilities and is struggling really to deal with that. Her, her identity was wrapped up in, in having powers and, and what had happened to her. And... and so we, we get a, a look into what it's like for her no longer having those powers. She's routinely bullied by the other students of the new school that she's attending, and, and I'll come back to that theme of, of bullying. The other half of the group are still living in Hawkins. So we have Mike, Dustin, Lucas and Max. Uh, Lucas and Max were together but have now broken up. And Lucas now spends more time with the school basketball team than his friends. Mike and Dustin are part of the Hellfire Club, which is a Dungeons and Dragons group. Uh, Lucas used to be a part of that, but as he's spending more time playing basketball, he's not really joining in on that. And so there's a lot of friction there uh, going on between those friends. And there's also the friction between Mike and his best friend, Will, and that, that struggle of, of, of friendships growing apart. There, there, there might be more than friendship there when it comes to Will and how he sees Mike, but that's never overly expressed. And, and that's one of those things that I, that I quite like, that Will is still working out who he is. And it may just be a deep friendship that he has with Mike, or it may be, be something more. 
So Joyce learns that Hopper, who was the sheriff in the first three seasons, they thought he had died at the end of, of season three. They thought he had sacrificed himself in order to de destroy the machine that would close the portal to the upside down world. But they learn that he's, he's alive and he's being kept prisoner in, in Russia. And so Murray, who's another friend of Joyce and who helped in, in the previous season, uh, they head to Russia to free him. And there are various exploits that happen with that story uh, right the way through part one until Joyce and Murray eventually free Hopper right at the end of, of episode seven. It's part of the series that I didn't enjoy particularly. I thought it was, although obviously it's dealing with monsters and the story is far-fetched, I thought this particular strand of the story really stretched credibility because we weren't dealing with monsters, we were dealing with humans. But for Joyce to be able to get to Russia, to infiltrate the prison, to be able to free him, I just I, I didn't buy that part of the story and so I felt that was the weakest part of the series. But back to California, uh, Chrissy, who is a cheerleader that we meet in the first episode, is possessed and killed by a creature from the Upside Down world and, and the episode ends with her being killed. And Eddie Munson, who is with her, who is the, the leader of the Hellfire Club, uh, he has to go on the run because the police believe that he has uh, killed them. In the second episode, another teenager, Fred, is, is possessed and, 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 and killed by this same monster who the group end up labelling Vecna, who is a, a character from the Dungeons and Dragons game that they play. Jumping for, forward to episode four, Max is then almost killed by Vecna, but they learn that, that music has the power to free people, and, and so they use... A, her favourite song to free her at the last minute, which is the, the Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill. I think there's interesting things there of that the the characters who are killed, it's it's their nightmares and it's their fears that, that Vecna plays into. And, and I think that's a really interesting point as well. And there's a lot of influence around Nightmare on Elm Street, particularly in this series as well. I think to do with nightmares and to do with the look of Vecna, the monster. And it was even nice to have Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. He has a, a small cameo as a, another man who people believed was responsible for killing lots of people. So through the series, we learn a lot about Eleven and her flashbacks of her being a child and being experimented on with the other children. Back in the present, Eleven is, re is recruited by the scientists again as they believe that she's the only one that can stop Vecna. And so she decides to go with them and, and they start experimenting on her again to try and get her powers back. And, and that's where we have a number of the flashbacks. So Dustin, Lucas, Matt, Steve, Nancy and Chrissy, who I haven't mentioned uh, but there's obviously a lot of characters in this that have been built up over, over, over the series and I don't really have time to go into to all of these characters. But they all band together uh, to help Eddie Munson and also to try and un uncover who Vecna the monster is. In the final episode of, of part one, episode seven, 
both Eleven and Nancy find out that Vecna was was a boy called Henry, who was the first child to be experimented on. He was number one, and we end up seeing the number one written on his arm. Uh, He grew up to be one of the elderlies who helped the children being experimented on and became a a close friend to to Eleven. And and so we learn in in the flashbacks that Henry killed everyone in in the lab, and he asks that Eleven joins him. Eleven refuses to do this, and, and they fight, and she ends up using her powers to send him through to the upside-down world, where he is tortured and ends up becoming Vecna. And there's a little bit of Hellraiser, I think, in that as well, the, the series of films Hellraiser, I think, in, inspires that particular scene around the Henry being transformed into Vecna. And it ends with Eleven getting her powers back. Through the series, Eleven has flashbacks and and thinks that she was the one responsible for killing everybody, that it was her powers that were out of control. But that's actually not the case. It was Henry who was orchestrating everything. So that's where we're up to at the minute with with season four, part one. As I said, part two is is coming in, in a couple of weeks' time. And that has episodes eight and nine. So just two episodes remain, although I think episode nine is around two and a half hours long. So it will be like four episodes just condensed into two. So be very interested to see where it goes and also to see that confrontation between Eleven and Vecna. That they had that battle before when Eleven was younger, when he was just a boy, when he was just Henry but now that he is this all-powerful monster, it'll be interesting to see that that, that fight. And then there is another series to come, season five, and that will be the final series in, in the Stranger Things series. So as I said, there's some other plot points, there's other things going on. I've not really been able to go into specifically some of of the characters because there is so much going on there. And obviously, because it's the fourth season, it it, really relies on people having followed these characters and and gotten to know them. And it's one of the things that I think is is lovely about the series, about these, these real children who are now teenagers and who are growing up, and and their friendship, and and the power of friendship. All all of these characters are distinct, they all have their own worries, and and I guess it's it's that trope of of, of Stephen King, that yes, they are dealing with fantastical monsters, and having to save the world, but at the end of the day, they're still young people, and and they're still having to to deal with, with school, and and parents and and falling out and relationships and bullying all those things are going on and and I think that's what a lovely aspect of the series that yes the monsters and the horror is great but ultimately you, you come back for that core friendship unfortunately obviously with this season that the friends are split up but I'm, my assumption is maybe in the last two episodes they will all come back together but 
But I think that's what's lovely about it, and, and especially following these uh, young people when they were children to start with in series one, and having grown up together, you, you've gotten to know them. And I, and I think just like the, the best of Stephen King, the, the Duffer brothers have, have really created believable characters that, that you care about. And, and that you see the importance of, of friendship. It's friendship that saves them. And, and so I think if a, a youth worker, if you want to talk about friendship and the importance of it and, and what happens when you fall out, uh, how you deal with that, how you make amends, I, I think some of the, the episodes in season four would be really good for that, especially when it, when it focuses on how that friendship group has fallen apart a little bit that Lucas has left to spend more time with, with basketball and, and the feelings of hurt that the others feel for that I think that's really interesting I think also as I mentioned Mike and Will and their friendship uh, growing apart now living in, in separate places and Will feeling that Mike hasn't really invested into their friendship the way that he wanted and that's been a a theme right the way through the series that, that that Will wants them to stay friends and wasn't happy when Mike started dating Eleven because he was spending more time with her and, and, and not with him. And that wrestling of what happens when our friends move on, when we grow apart. How, how do we handle romantic relationships? Eleven and Mike living apart for, for nine months and then Mike comes to visit for spring break. But but the, the, the issues that come up with that as well, I think, is really good. And we have Robin as well, who's struggling with, with having feelings for another girl, but then not wanting to say anything in case she's rejected and, and that everyone then knows that she's gay and she has to, to come out. So again, someone wrestling with their identity and, and, and who they are and how relationships work there as well. I, th I think it's just a, a really beautiful depiction of that and and one of the, the real praise points of, of the series, absolutely. I think in general to say it is more horror-focused, this series, than, than the others have been. And, and I think in part that's what happens with, with dramas as, as the children grow up through the series and as ultimately the audience grow up watching it, that the themes do become darker. But I would say that this definitely leans more into horror than, than see some of the other series. As I mentioned, bullying and Angela being the, the key bully to, to Eleven. And it's another thing within Stephen King's work that, yes, the, the monsters are evil, but ultimately, often, the true evil is, are human beings and what they do to one another. And Stephen King has always been great at creating these horrible people. And Angela, specifically in this series, is a horrible teenage girl and has these other friends around her where they all pick on Eleven. And Eleven at one point retaliates and hits Angela with some roller skates. And, and again, that would be a really issue, important issue to talk about with, with young people. What, what do we do when we are bullied? How do we react to that? And looking particularly at the friends and, and how they react as well, because none of them really get involved. They're all bystanders. None of them feel that they can get involved to, to help Eleven. Eleven doesn't tell anyone, any adults about it as well. 
Unfortunately, we don't find out anything about Angela and, and why she's choosing to bully because that, that might help to, to give an understanding of where why someone is choosing to bully. But again, it's just an interesting aspect to talk about with regards to bullying and, and how we deal with it. The Hellfire Club is, is a really interesting point as well because they are a Dungeons and Dragons group. But if you weren't aware, in the 80s, there was a thing called the Satanic Panic and, and particularly in America, but it, but it did branch over to, to the UK and, and points as well, where people were scared of things like Dungeons and Dragons because they believed that it was opening a, a gateway to, to, to evil and Satan worship. And, and so there was all this fear about all these groups and that ritual killings were going on. And so they touch on that in the series, the fear of, of certain panic, panic that, that parents have and that other students have. By the, by the Hellfire Club, when in actual fact they're just a group of nerds and, and geeks who just want to hang out and, and, and play games together. And so I think there's a really interesting discussion point of, of fear of the unknown. And are, are we scared of just what we don't understand? And rather than being scared of that, isn't it better to, to understand it, to engage with it? And Obviously, in our times now with the internet, it's easier to do that back in the 80s and in the 90s. It was much harder to find out the truth of something, to research something. Obviously, it's much more, it's far easier to do that now. And so I think that's so important when any kind of group or person that we label other to help young people to be able to engage with that. I used to be a school chaplain in a Church of England high school and, and one of the things that I, I always talked about with the sixth formers when I would have sessions and, and spirituality days with them is encouraging them to read newspapers and, and magazines and podcasts of people that they disagreed with to make sure on Twitter that they followed people that they disagreed with. Ultimately, to try and get an understanding of them to remove that label of other and to see them as a human being and, and to look and, and try and work out what the steps are that maybe led them to that, but ultimately so that you understand their position as well, that you don't use what we'd call as a, as a straw man argument where you take the, their weakest argument and then pull it apart, but truly try and understand them and where they're coming from. And, and, and so I think the, the episode that kind of looks at the satanic panic in Stranger Things in season four would be really good to look at and, and, and challenging that fear of the unknown and using a scapegoat to blame something for, for society. I think we've, we've seen a lot recently with the, the recent school shootings in, in the US, which are, are horrendous, but, but certain conservatives have come out saying, well, this is to do with the media and to do with the violence that we're seeing on, on film and TV. And as I've said before in this, this podcast, there's no scientific evidence to, to make any correlation between someone watching something on, on a movie or a TV and then enacting it. They're just, the, the science just isn't there to, to back that up. Um, and so it's important that we're then careful about scapegoats and, and we have that still in, in, in the UK and, and all over the world when it comes to, to film and computer games. Anything that we don't understand, we ultimately label 
as as a scapegoat and something to blame. And so maybe with older young people to to look at that, to look at maybe opinions that they disagree with. If you're coming more from the, the liberal side of, of the Christian faith, to get young people to engage with the conservative side and vice versa, not to hold people just to your one view, but allow them to, to see other opinions, to hear other opinions and ultimately to be able to make the decision for themselves, to make an informed choice because that's what good youth work is, that we allow young people to make a, a decision by giving them all of the information and all of the facts. I think to mention as well just the power of music, I talked about Kate Bush running up that hill, that the power that it has to invoke feelings and an identity for Max hearing that that song again, which is her favourite song, brings her back to reality. It gives her a point, a tactile point to, to touch to bring her back out of the, the upside down world through a portal and, and, and back to her world. And, and, and just music is incredibly powerful. It can invoke so many different uh, feelings and, and it's why worship music at its best can be great but, but can also be manipulative depending on how music is used. But, but a great discussion could be had there of getting young people to think about their favourite songs, maybe to be looking at the lyrics of those songs. I, I used to do that with a, with a, when I was a, a church youth worker. Every so often we, I would get the young people to, to bring one of their favourite songs and we'd play it, we would look at the lyrics uh, and we'd discuss what it is, what was the, the, the writer, what was the musician trying to say through it and, and is that a message that, that we should... Be, we should challenge or is it one that we should affirm and I think that's a great exercise to do around the the power of music and and using that with with young people to chat about it to about the things that they listen to and and, and the emotions and things that it brings up nostalgia as well is is a key part of stranger things and as I said it's it's set in the 80s uh a very picturesque version of the 80s that everything was was wonderful and and as i've said before nostalgia can be a good thing but it can also be a a dangerous thing as well that we just hark back to how things were that we want to go back to to that stage and and i'm sure as as members of the church we we are can be guilty of that as well of of having rose tinted glasses for how things were and and wanting to go back to that I just watched a documentary uh, just yesterday called the, I've completely forgotten the name of it, but it's, a, but it's a documentary about Nickelodeon and particularly the rise of Nickelodeon in the late 80s and in early 90s with the, the TV shows that they developed with the cartoons uh, like Rugrats and, and Doug with Are You Afraid of the Dark, Double Dare, and it brought such a wave of nostalgia for me because that was that was my era of of children's television when I was kind of eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. Those were the things that I was watching, and and they were just coming at that at that point. And so there was a huge wave of nostalgia as I watched that program that that made me in some part wish, oh, can I just go back for a day or two just to to relive that? And you know, what nostalgia makes us forget about all the bad points. You know, my I, I, I was very fortunate in my childhood that I had a, a, a loving family who had the means to, to give us everything that we wanted, really. 
but but I I was bullied for for a couple of years at, at school and I, I had some really horrible times there as well. But nostalgia makes you forget all all the the bad stuff and and, and focus solely on the good, and that's the the danger of of nostalgia that we hark back to a to a time that was before. And as I've been visiting churches, as we've we've come out of of the pandemic and as as we've been allowed to move around more, there's been a lot of people going, oh, well, wasn't it great how things used to be? There was more children, there was more young people, and because of, of COVID, less are coming. But even then, before that, and, and, and people forget that people were still saying the same thing. Oh, I remember 10, 20 years ago, we, we had children and now we don't. And so we, we naturally cling to nostalgia and how things were. And Nostalgia can be a good thing and it's good to commemorate the past but we also need to to celebrate the now and create the future. That's part of the URC Youth's theme for this year around around the Jubilee is to commemorate the past, celebrate the now and create the future and we need all three of those things. We can't be stuck with just how things were. To talk briefly as well about the power of guilt and secrets because Vecna, the, the characters that he kills and possesses are those who are struggling with, with guilt and secrets. They're worried that people are going to find out something about them. And, and so Vecna preys on that. He feeds on that, that shame and that guilt. And, and we've talked about guilt and shame before explicitly in, in our Top Gun episode, in the previous episode, if you haven't listened to that, uh, do check that out for a discussion around guilt and shame. But just the power that it has to, to take over us, to rob us ultimately of life, and that's what Vecna does in in the series. He he takes the life of these people because of, of the guilt and the shame and the secrets that they are they are carrying around. We have Jesus saying, I, I, I am the way, the truth and the life. Um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And how important truth is to lift those burdens, to, to shine a light on those areas of, of guilt and shame that we feel. Because that can only be a good thing. And, and so there's maybe a whole discussion to have around guilt and secrets and how that robs us of life when Jesus says, I have come and to give you life and life to the full. What does that mean? A life maybe without secrets, a life where we are open and honest and accountable to one another. I think accountability is, is such a key thing within in discipleship and, and not something that we often talk about uh, with young people. But I think that's so important to have somebody that we can turn to, to to be accountable to. And a church I used to work for, we did that with, encouraged all of the the volunteers who helped with the, the youth work that we did to, to find somebody older to be accountable to, who could mentor them, who could engage with them, who could chat to them. And that was a, a, a really key thing. So that's a, a quick fly-by discussion about some of the themes that I've found in Stranger Things. 
as I said, this episode is, is, is shorter because it's not me bouncing anything off anybody. But the, but these are my my initial th- thoughts. So uh, discussions around bullying, discussions around the fear of the unknown and using scapegoats, friendship, whether they be romantic or, or not, I, identity is being a being a big one for Eleven and, and who she is, and and for Robin as well as she struggles in some aspect with her sexuality the the power of music nostalgia and the power of guilt and secrets so i'd love to hear your thoughts on on stranger things season four part one and what you thought of it and if you if you found what i've said to be of of interest to be of something that you go yeah yeah no i i saw that in there as well i'd, I'd love for you to get in touch either on Twitter or on Facebook, just search for at Real Faith Pod on either of those, and and you can get in touch and and let me know your thoughts. And if you have seen it and and would like to come on and chat about it when part two comes out, I would love that as well. I'm always looking for more youth workers, and so that it's not just me talking, but also that it's diverse and and and, and having different youth workers from across the board come on and and chat from their perspective as well so it would be great if it's of interest to you then then please do uh, get in touch and if you've enjoyed the podcast obviously I'd I'd encourage you to to leave a review whether that's on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on Google Podcasts uh, please do that and please leave a review as well hopefully a positive one as it then gets into the algorithms and and then shares it with, with other people as I knew this episode was going to be a little bit shorter, I just wanted to recommend another couple of things that are out. So Stranger Things is a 15, and again, it's a 15 for, for a reason. Obviously, with on streaming services like Netflix, it's easier for, for young people who are younger than that to see it. Uh, and so be aware of that, that a lot of the young people you work with, even if they're under 15, uh, may well have watched uh, Stranger Things. But something else at the cinema that I saw was the film Men, by Alex Garland, and it's about uh, a, a woman whose husband has has killed himself, or we, we think he has killed himself, and she goes to this remote cottage to, to get away and, and tr- to try and deal with, with some of the grief, and she encounters a number of men in the village who are all played by the one actor, Rory Kinnear, and, and it's a film around... Uh, sexism it's a, a a film around masculinity and and the fear that women have and the the, the different roles that that men play ultimately in some way i think it, the film is trying to say that although all these men look different they're ultimately all the same underneath they're all coming from the same place they're all birthing this same uh, misogynistic uh, hate-filled male ego and and the fragile male ego so really interesting deals with with body horror and other things like that so again maybe some young people who are older uh, might have seen it but but worth engaging with absolutely a film on amazon prime as well called emergency again is a 15 but really interesting it's about three friends who want to three college friends who want to visit every party on, on one night in spring break and there's only been a couple of people who have managed to do it, and so they are setting out on the task to to complete uh, this 
this epic night. And, and, and so it starts off very similar to lots of, of teen movies and college movies with that kind of setup. But the fact is they're all black in it. And so the film takes a, a very different turn because they, as they're getting ready, they find a, a white girl in their uh, campus, in their, in their rooms, who, who is sick and who, are, who is unconscious. And so one of them says, oh, we need to take her to the hospital. And one of the others goes, but we're three black men. How's that going to look with a, a white girl in our room, unconscious? And it's a really anxiety-driven film. I, I felt nervous watching it, that sense of dread of what was going to happen. But again, a really challenging film to see that kind of movie, from, but from a very different perspective. And and the experience of, of black people within college and within a predominantly white college and the experiences they have. So that's on Amazon Prime. It's called Emergency. Uh, so do check that out, but it, but it's quite an, an anxiety-filled watch. And as I said, Men is the other film as well, which is currently out at the cinema. So I hope you've enjoyed this, this solo episode, a little bit different uh, than normal. Hopefully have another guest on soon, and we'll be talking about Jurassic World Dominion, uh, which, which came out. So I'll have someone on to chat about that. But in the meantime, thank you again for downloading, for, for streaming, for listening to this episode and look out for another episode coming soon.